I like that. A clap before I've said anything. You don't know what I'm going to say yet. You might not want to clap. Um, what I'm quickly going to do, um, just before I launch into the talk, is um, we have a really special guest here this morning, um, and I haven't told her I'm going to say this, um, but Alan on Welcome came over and said, oh, we have another vineyard pastor that's come to visit today. And Tor and Matt are pandemic planters. They planted in Thetford um, in June 2020. What a time to plant a church, right? Um, and we had a Zoom call with Tor um, a little while ago where basically she was like, just like, talk to me, I'm going to tell you the vision, and then effectively interrogate the vision, like I want to, you know, she's been following stuff here at Asher Vineyard, um, so I thought it'd be really rude not to pray for Tor while she's here, right, so, um, so traditionally, we used to have one central island, we'd send you down the middle, so what I'm going to say, if you're happy to stand, Tor, people who are happy to, can you just gather around Tor, um, and we're just going to pray for you just for a couple of minutes, because why waste an opportunity, right? So, um, yeah, so do feel free to stand, put out a hand, you know, just be able to, um, to encourage Tor and obviously by proxy Matt as well. So, Father, I thank you so much for the courage of Tor and Matt that they, they listened to your call and they ran after it in the most ridiculous of circumstances to do it in such a time as this. But I thank you that your hand is all over it. Your hand is on them. We pray radical courage over this church plan. I thank you for their passion to go out into Thetford and see lives completely transformed as they bump into Jesus. Give them everything they need and more, Father, we ask. Everything and more. Father, I thank you for this amazing couple, and I just pray that you would fill them with courage to take whatever steps they need to next in terms of where you're leading them, Father, whatever the, the next step for, for growth and for impact and for bringing your kingdom across Thetford is, that you'd give them the, the courage that they need, that there's a, I feel there's a, a decision that you need to make one way or another, and Father God is saying to you, just take, it's okay, take courage, I've got mm. you in that, I've completely got you in that as you take that step. You might not know what's coming as a result of it but there's great stuff coming there's awesome stuff so take that step take courage as you go and do that that would encourage this church plant. Just one word. Just ask him right now. Just give you one word and then absolutely bombard Tor as she tries to leave today and pass on those words of encouragement to her. Church planting is hard and it's brilliant and it's both. And actually it kind of, it costs you everything. And uh, in this season, I'm sure that's been pretty tough as well as having its great moments. So let's encourage Tor and Matt um, as they do all they're doing in Thetford. It's good stuff. So... And uh, now we're going to move into what we call the talk. And we're going to do three standalone talks, really, for the next couple of weeks. Um, and we always try at this time of year 
to put a magnifying glass over vision. And the reason we do that is because we tend to work in school years. So um, September is like a new start um, for all of you who've been trying to get kids back to school and then breathing a sigh of relief as you sent them out of the door. Um, that's normal, I, I'm told. I mean, I've never felt it, obviously, but that's really normal. Um, but we like to think of it as a new beginning. And when we have new beginnings, September and January are like our vision points where we try and really nail down what are we about. And and particularly as a church family, when we've been apart physically for so long, what can happen is we can start to lose sight of what we're a part of. We can start to feel a bit disconnected from the family because we've physically been disconnected from the family. And I love the fact we've got cameras and we're online. And I've watched online And actually, I can still be looking at the washing that needs doing and thinking about what's in the fridge and, you know, all of that stuff. You don't always feel so much a part of something. But actually, what can happen then if you don't feel a part is that you forget what you are a part of. And so that's what I want to nail today is start looking at for these next three weeks who we are, what we're like, and what we do. And then we'll start to look more into that in the coming weeks. So really, that is the focus. If I can have my slides, that'd be fab. Thank you very much. So yeah, who we are, that's the kind of our core. What we're like, our culture, and then what we do is our aims. And myself, Mr. K, and Kat are going to be talking about those over these next few weeks. Now, when it came to trying to work out what we do, some of you who've been around a while will notice we got our aims. We had six aims. We spent a long time looking at those of like, if we really had to nail down what we do as a church family, what would it be? And they are unchanged. And that really led us on to the more, much more complicated piece of work about our culture. What are we like? If you were to walk into here, if you were to walk into the beehive, if you were to bump into somebody from this family somewhere outside of these walls, what would you expect from the culture? What would you expect to find people alike? And Chris is going to be talking about that next week. But we'd done some of that piece of work, and then we spent some time with a leader called Paul Manwaring, who um, was brilliant for Chris and I. We just had like a Zoom call where um, he did a bit what we did for Matt and Tor, and just really asked us loads of difficult questions. And uh, he said, but what, who are you? Like, what's the core? And we said, oh, we bring life to Ashford. And he was like, yeah, but who are you? And yes, bringing life to Ashford is like what you do. It's, it kind of encompasses everything, but who are you? And then we started to dream about what that was. And we ended up with this language. And, you know, this may change. We don't know, but we feel like this is defining the, the who we are right now. And it's this. We're a family on a mission. We're a family on a mission who creates spaces for people to encounter God, be equipped to bring life to the city, Don't send me an email. I know Ashford's a town, but spiritually, it's so a city, just so you know. Um, And experience the outworking of this in their day-to-day. And I'm going to just break that down for us today and just talk about why we chose the language we chose. But much more importantly, I'm going to talk about what does that actually look like? What does it actually look like to be a part of a family on a mission who are looking to do these things? So first things first, we're a family, And it was interesting, I turned to Tor at the end of the worship and I said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And she said, oh, this is family. I was like, that was brilliantly timed because that's what we're talking about today. And why are we family? Well, firstly, we're family because of who God says he is. He's father. 
He's designated himself as father. So therefore, he is father and we're family. And Jesus taught us to pray in the Bible, our father. You notice how Jesus talks about us as being God's children. And when Paul is writing to the churches that he planted, he doesn't say co-leaders or co-pastors. He calls them brothers and sisters because we are family. And there's something about family which is so much more powerful than an organization. It changes everything about how we interact with each other. I love 1 John 3 that says this. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he's lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. It's beautiful, right? This isn't some like big guy in the sky. He's saying, you are my beloved children. And Psalm 68, 5 says this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. And that as a culture for us is that lots of you here might have different realities of what family means. And family can be really messy. Like I'm part of a massive family. And we were talking to someone about this the other day. My immediate family, just me, my sisters, our kids, and my mum is 30 of us. Um, And we're pretty much all extroverts. It's like chaos when we're all together. Um, And like all families, we've got quite a lot of mess that happens in our family. But I love family. But I also know for some of you listening, you think, Ashavinyad, we're a family. Well, family has got all kinds of baggage attached for me. And you know what? I don't really want to be in a family. If family is like my family, I don't want to be in that. But God's family is totally different. (laughs) Totally different. A family underpinned by a dad who lavishes his love on his kids, that's different. That is totally different. And when God designates himself as a father rather than a boss or a dictator or some kind of untouchable divine one, there's something about father that's intimate. It's really personal. He invites you into a relationship with him. It's not at arm's length. It's in his arms. It's not even next to. It's in his arms. I had a moment in the briefing this morning where Naomi Wheatley, I was um, just sat, and some of you may know uh, the Wheatley family, we love them. Naomi just came and just climbed onto my lap, and then she just totally like fell into me, and like she completely snuggled. And it was one of those moments where that, that's what God is like as father. He's not like, you sit here, son. We've got some talking to do. It's like the safety of being able to completely fall into his arms as dad, and there's nothing quite like it. And there's massive implications for us defining Asher Vineyard as family because it defines how we treat one another. We recognize that families disagree, families are different, unique members of families are all slightly different, and vive la différence, as far as I'm concerned. I don't want us to be like cookie-cutted versions of one another. Families are messy and unique, and that's a good thing. And we shouldn't be afraid to be different from one another whilst recognizing we're all part of the same family. But there's an and. We're a family on a mission, and that is crucial to who we are at Asher Vineyard. We're not a family just for our own benefit. We're not a family just so we can all get together and look in and be family. We're an outward-looking family. We're a family that is on 
a mission. And just as Jesus was sent by his dad, he then sends us. And John 17, 18 says this, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And knowing we're sent is a game changer. It's a total game changer. Knowing you are sent on a mission to do something changes everything. You weren't just born to exist. You were sent. You're here on purpose, with a purpose. Not one of you here was born by accident, even if your parents told you that that's what it was. It's just not true. It may not have been in their plan, but it was absolutely in Father God's plan. So if we're all sent, every single one of us, that means it's irrespective of our age, our race, our background, our intelligence, our gifts, our skills. All being sent means there's no, qualific- no disqualification for anybody. And Paul Manwaring, who I mentioned, puts it like this. There is, for me, no first or second class callings, no secular sacred divide. We are all sent and empowered to participate in seeing his kingdom come. Kingdom there means God's plan A, nothing missing, nothing broken. Whoever we are, whatever we do, wherever we go, we're sent. So as a family here, we believe if you're an accountant, you're sent. We believe that if you're a paramedic, you're sent. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're retired, if you're a pastor, if you're an artist, a parent, a student, a doctor, a model, a designer, you're sent. All of you are sent. In fact, if you are a living, created human, you're sent. So just, you might be like, oh, I knew I wasn't on the list. Turns out, if you're breathing, you're sent. Like, that's what it's, you're all on the list. You are all sent. And why does it matter to know that you're sent? It matters to know because sent people are purpose-driven. Sent people know what they're about. Sent people get to pursue, reproduce, and represent Jesus. And man, does Ashford need Jesus. And Ashford and beyond needs Jesus, but Ashford needs us as the sent ones to go and take him out and show people what he's like. And when we first planted the church, and there were some pretty hard jobs to do, the ones that no one wanted to do, like when everything was in a storage container, and it would be absolutely tipping it down with rain on a Sunday morning, and Chris and I would pull outside and try and load the equipment in. We had a phrase we used in family, which is, we get to do this. (laughs) And, you know, it's not we've got to do this, we get to do this. And often, we were convincing ourselves that we, we get to do this. You know, there were certain times, I mean, still, there are moments where you're like, I get to I get to do this. But you know what? Being sent, we get to do this. We get to partner with God and take hope into everywhere we go. It's got to be fun, right? Yes, Nick, I'm having fun. I think it's really fun. But, you know, it should be fun. Taking hope into hopeless places is fun and life-bringing, and we get to do this. So the next part, we're a family on a mission who creates spaces for people to encounter God. Now, many years ago, we asked a question to um, what we often describe as our spiritual parents, Steve and Juliet Barber, who are up in Leicester. They planted two churches, massive community impact. The churches were growing. And, uh, and we said to them, what's the secret? 
Tell us, if you had to bottle it, like, what's the secret? And Steve, in his understated way, said, oh, we just create spaces for people to come and encounter God. The end. And it's like, huh. Now, what I love about creating spaces is it's not persuasive, it's not coercive, it's not manipulative. Who would we be to think that we can try and convince anyone to love Jesus? Ugh, that's not our job. We're not here to convince people. We're here to create spaces where people can come with their own free will and discover that they're loved by Father God. We create the spaces and then we get out the way. That's generally how I think it works best, when we get out the way and let God step in to those spaces. I love in the book of James, the truth that is come near to God and he will come near to you. That's an amazing promise. If you step near to him, he will come and step back near to you. And what we want to do at Asher Vineyard is create as many diverse spaces as we can that invite people into opportunities to bump into Jesus and to discover who they are. And some of those spaces are here in this building. There's things like Renew, which is tucked behind those blackboards, our social supermarket, Storehouse. We've got AV Kids and Youth, school uniform exchanges. Some of them are in different buildings, like the Beehive we've heard from Becca this morning. But most opportunities, I would say, are held within the individuals that are part of this family that go out into their spaces and places. Most. Most. We love to create spaces where people can come, which have got the banner Asher Vineyard, but most are created by people who are part of this family who take the knowledge of who they are out with them. And I want to tell you um, about this beautiful lady, Barbara, who many of you have met. I told her, um, I think she's watching online, actually. Uh, She's away this weekend. She said, make sure you pick a pretty picture. And I was like, they're all beautiful. Isn't she beautiful? This is Barbara. This is what she says. In September 2018, I realized I had a serious problem with alcohol. After a chat with my husband, it was decided that I would go to a 12-step rehab center. I was there for 12 weeks and was taught to follow the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. This included finding a God of my understanding or higher power. I was an agnostic at the time, and I found this part of the program really difficult. Once I was back home, I continued to struggle with finding any sort of spirituality or higher power. I tried Buddhism, Mother Earth, the force of the universe, and then I read up on Christianity. Over the next couple of years, I didn't make much progress, and I relapsed many times, and I ended up back in rehab twice more as the disease continued to get worse. However, during this time, I made a friend who attends AV. Now, these are the individual spaces. I made... Oh, didn't think I'd get through it. I made a friend who attends AV, and I started to pop in to see him. I then started to volunteer at the food bank, which ended up with me working for Renew. Just being around the church and the people made me more curious about God, and I decided to go on an Alpha course. It was from this and the endless God moments that I started to have in my life that I realized that God was and always had been with me throughout my life. The people in church started to pray for me and showed me how to pray for myself. And as I felt the Holy Spirit grow within me, I started to feel a peace that comes with it. And I so embraced it fully that I decided to give myself over to God. 
I got baptized and it was an amazing experience. And since then, I feel God is with me every minute of every day. Although my disease is still active, I now know I never feel alone or unloved. And I realize this is all part of his plan for me. I'm humbled that he has me and my life in his hands. And I pray every day that I don't let my self-will stand in his way. What I love about her story is that she managed to define the thing that we as pastors and key leaders have been trying to write down for ages. (laughs) I was like, oh, I should have got Barbara to write it. Because she talks about this individual space, somebody part of this family that connected with her, invited her into some of these spaces, and then she encountered God. And very quickly, we had a lovely moment. Chris and I went out for dinner with some other church planters on uh, Thursday. And we had the opportunity to pray for our waitress. And sometimes what spaces look like moments. They're not physical spaces. And she came to the table, and as soon as she walked over, I felt God give me a word for her. And then Chris started to talk to her, got her life story. Um, he's very good at that. Uh, and then as we finished up dinner, Chris said, we'd love to just pray for you. And I was then able to deliver the words that I thought God had given. And she was like, how did you know that? I was like, wow, you know, just God thinks you're brilliant. And sometimes these spaces are in Ashford, but they're all, they start with people. Spaces always start with people. And why encounter? Yes, creating spaces, but creating spaces for what? For people to encounter God. And what we know is that knowing about God will not change your life. Like, it really won't. Just knowing about him, I mean, it might make you feel more clever, but it probably won't change your life. But knowing God, that is totally transformational. I met someone a a while back who um, was an atheist that also knew Hebrew and was able to, like, tell me all the Hebrew versions of the Bible. And I was like, you are way cleverer than me. But it turns out I knew God. That person knew a lot about God but their life wasn't transformed or enriched by it. And I may not know any Hebrew, but I know God. And that is transformational. The Bible says, taste and see. It doesn't say, take a look and see what you think. Taste it. Taste and see that God is good. Taste it. It's so active. It's that encounter. Don't look from afar and dip your toe in. Taste it. And encountering God can be gradual, subtle, gentle, but it all points to God's extravagant love for us as dad because he wants to meet with us. And we heard about Barbara, that that story was more gradual, but I want to tell you um, this man's story. Isn't he handsome? He's right over there. There's Jeff. This is Jeff. And Jeff has just recorded the next episode of the Knowing God podcast. If you haven't listened to the first episode, which was Don Temple, recorded just a few days before he died, um, then I'd really recommend you do that. But Jeff and Chris were together in the studio recording the next episode, and I'm going to give you a little teaser, um, because this is Jeff's story. He says, in 1993, I was a very angry man addicted to alcohol and cigarettes. 9 a.m. on the 20th of March, I'd already started drinking with my friends. And my uncle, who was and is a pastor, saw me, and it broke his heart. He said, why don't you try Jesus as you are wasting your life this way? There's a line. (laughs) 
After he left, we carried on drinking all that day and until 2 a.m. on Sunday the 21st, and then I went to bed. At about 4 a.m., I woke up, and all I could hear were those words, why don't you try Jesus, as if they were being spoken out. Next thing, I think I was kneeling beside my bed, and I remember saying, if there is a Jesus out there, then come and save me. Instantly, there was a sense of total peace, and I woke up later that morning, was completely sober, and had no desire for alcohol or cigarettes. That's what he can do. That's what God can do. Let's stop making him smaller. He is, he is much bigger than we think. And we've seen literally hundreds of people encounter God through members of this family and through the spaces that we create. And we think God's just getting started. And then, we're a family on a mission who creates spaces for people to encounter God, be equipped to bring life to the city. And if we're a family on a mission, we've got to do all we can to equip people to be able to to do the stuff. We've got to find a way to equip people. And Jesus was the master of equipping. If you want to look at how to be equipped, look at what Jesus did. He lived with the disciples. He equipped them. He showed them. He demonstrated to them. He said, try it like this. Don't do it like that. But why didn't it work, Jesus? Well, that will be because of this. He equipped them by showing them how to bring the kingdom, God's way of doing things. He taught them about how to speak truth, how to heal people, how to manage their finances. He taught them about how to live. He was the master equipper. And at Asher Vineyard, we've got a desire to get better at this. Chris and I were having a really honest chat and saying, we don't always think we do this that well, but we have a desire to do this better and to be able to equip people to fulfill the vision that we have to see Ashford transformed. And we have things like circles, Becca mentioned invest groups, training days, these talks on a Sunday, uh, things like healing on the streets and alpha, but there's so much more. And some of the more we believed was the trigger for Kingdom Academy, which we'll be launching next year, and the idea that we would equip interns to be equipped and given the confidence to know how to do the things Jesus did and take that out into every sphere of community. And we are really excited about what that looks like. It's about giving people tools and confidence to be able to go out and do this stuff. And once we've done that, we want people to experience the outworking of that in their day-to-day. We, um, Chris and I did some marriage prep for a couple once, and the guy was a, uh, a pilot, And um, we found out how much it is to train to be a pilot. It's a lot of money, like a lot of money. And so I don't know one pilot who's invested all that money and all that time and then decided, I don't think I'm going to fly a plane. Like, that would be ridiculous to invest all the time in learning how to do something and then not do it would be crazy. And yet, I think as followers of Jesus, so often we spend all our time investing about learning what it would look like to do the stuff of the kingdom. And then we get ourselves like all trained up, ready to go. And then we're like, yeah, no, I think I'm going to leave that to someone else. Because it feels scary and it feels big. But this has to be something we see outworked in our day to day. We actually experience this stuff. In Matthew 10, Seven to eight, it said, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. 
heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely hold on to it and let someone else do it. No! (laughs) Turns out, freely you've received, freely give. I love the fact Jesus doesn't say, just proclaim it, just talk about it. He's like, talk about it and do it. Both, 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 both. Thank you, Ruth. I can hear you cheering at the back. It's good. So I want to tell you about a couple of people who were seeing equipping uh, outworked in their day-to-day. This is Dave. Lovely Dave. Dave's right here if you want to go and talk to him afterwards. Uh, And Dave is um, a teacher at Kent College and uh, he teaches, is it carpentry? What's the actual course? So trades, basically loads of different trades. Brilliant. I mean, that doesn't mean you should go and get a quote of him to do some work for you. This is like, Dave's just given his CV right there. Um, And I asked Dave, because I know Dave is bringing the kingdom in his workplace. I was like, can you explain what equipping you feel you've had from this family that has helped you to be able to do that? And Dave said this, the big one was going through both the Excel mentoring and coordinator training. The insights into what some young people go through and how to mentor and guide them at work as well as outside. Also, on the discipleship course that we ran before, we read a book which talked about how we're responsible for our actions, not other people's reactions. This helped me greatly when dealing with difficult staff and students. Isn't it funny how just one thing in one book can equip you, but then it actually you get to experience the outworking of that in your day-to-day in how you do life. And then there's Jules. And Jules says this, teaching was my life for so many years. I thrived and loved it, but six years ago, I knew it was time to lay it down. It wasn't until working with Asher Vineyard that I knew the seed God had planted was now shifting from education to community and children and parents. The time in kids working with our awesome children, so Jules was employed working with AV Kids for a while, Uh, The time in kids working with our awesome children to bring Jesus into all I did changed my focus. I realized that my passion wasn't just kids, it was community. And being with our AV kids of all ages, having fun, experiencing joy in worship and being healed by a prayer from Liam, age seven, was just awesome, literally. What I love about Jules' story is her equipping came from our kids. Let's not underestimate that equipping is not down to the grown-ups. Our kids can equip us to bring Jesus in a way that they just throw off a lot of the hindrances that we find. And so actually part of Jewel's story is she was equipped by a seven-year-old upstairs in AV Kids. And I love that. And we are going to see more and more of that, I'm sure. She said, my business, Wow World of Wonders, was once again born after a lot of prayer, words of wisdom and prophecy from my invest group. And I finally found peace with my decision from safeguarding training to wider leader meetings to invest to helping with AB Compassion, all have been crucial in the building blocks of what's next for me. It has led me to knowing my true passion and calling is working with families within our community to bring life through supporting others. That's what we dream of. We want to see hundreds of those, hundreds of those stories where people come and they operate as part of family, they get equipped, And then they get to experience what that looks like in their day-to-day. So that's who we are. Well, we think that's who we are. It's certainly who we dream of being, even if we're not always that now. It's certainly who we dream of being. And my question to you this morning is, are you in? Is that what you want to be a part of? 
Because, you know, this is what we dream of, but we recognize that family works because there's loads of different people with different gifts and skills that get to come and play their part. And this is me as one of the senior pastors of Asher Vineyard saying, you are invited. Like, you don't need to be an observer. You don't need to be someone that is on the subs bench in case everyone else can't make it that day. You are invited to be a part of a family on a mission. And we honestly believe if we see half of the things we feel God has spoken over this community come to being, then we are in for such an exciting ride. Such an exciting ride. So let's stand and we're going to pray as we finish. Father, I thank you that we get to do this. I thank you that you have called each one of us to be a part of this family for such a time as this. And I thank you that whilst COVID may have blown up some plans, the kingdom is still everything. You are still so constant. And in many ways, your invitation to Chris and I 11 years ago to come and move and to plant this community is unchanged. We're just learning different ways to express it. So, Father, we ask that you would give us a courage, a courage to be able to run after these things. That you would give us fresh vision and that you would help us to see the part that you're calling us to individually as well as as part of a bigger family. Do that right now, Father. Reveal to us right now, what's my part? Where do I get to play? And I particularly feel like there are people here who have been getting stuck between equipping and experiencing. You feel like you've read the books, you've turned up on Sundays, you've been in the circles, you've gone on the training courses, but you still find it hard to step into the experiencing of what you've been equipped with in your day-to-day. Just while people just keep their eyes closed just for a minute, if that is you, I would love for you to raise your hand um, and we're going to pray for you right now because I think you can get supernatural courage I think that there's a definitely a you part, but there's a supernatural part. So if that's you, you feel like you're a bit stuck between the equipping and the experiencing. Just where you are now, as people's eyes are closed, just raise your hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, for these people that stand before you with a hunger to experience more of you in their day-to-day, but for whatever reason feel stuck, we pray right now that you would bring a release to where they're stuck and that they would experience you in such an incredible way that it makes taking you out into day-to-day situations easy, that there would be an ease that comes with that, that there would be an ease. The thing that's found that's been the hardest before would suddenly become the easiest and give them opportunities Even today, give them opportunities to be able to do that. 
Thank you, Father. And in true experiencing style, if you are here in this building today and you have any pain in your body anywhere or anything that you feel you need breakthrough for, then I would love for you right now to just be brave and put your hand up. And then this family is going to gather around you and experience what it's like to see God move as they step out. So as people start to put their hands up, any pain in your body anywhere, or if you need breakthrough here, here, here. Now we always say here, if someone's got their hand up, please don't leave them standing there. It's really brave to put your hand up in these moments. So go gather around them. If you don't feel confident to do that, you can just watch, you can do that. But we are going to spend, we've got just a few minutes now. This is an opportunity for us to do what we say we want to do. Thank you, Father. Uh, You don't need a special voice. You don't need clever words. Um, You basically just find out what's wrong and then what do you want to see happen. So if someone says, I have uh, loss of vision in one eye, then pray for vision in the eye. If someone says, I have pain in my wrist, then say no pain in that wrist. It's really straightforward. Let God do the thing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you're at home and you need prayer for anything at all and you're watching online, jump to church online. We've got people that would love to pray for you. It's not second-rate prayer just because it's online. Um, So that is a great opportunity for you to do that. Or ring someone you know and ask them to pray for you on the phone if that's better. So now if you're praying for someone, ask them if there's anything different. Ask them now, is there anything different? Has anything changed? And then once you've asked them, if there's any change, for those of you being prayed for, any change at all, I want you to just wave at me if you've experienced any change at all. Okay, so if I can grab your attention one second from here. If you've been prayed for and you've experienced any change at all, I want you to wave at me. Oh my word, you lot, you're just all praying. Like, it's great that you're praying. Any change from anybody? Yes, okay, so we have some change over there. Better than it, better than it was. We're going to keep praying. So at this point, we're going to say goodbye to you online. Um, and we are going to thank you so much for joining us. We're going to continue to pray here. Church online prayer is going to still be open. Um, And for those of you in the room that aren't involved in praying for someone or being prayed for, teas and coffees will be over there. Um, But we're going to keep um, we're going to keep praying until we until we see some breakthrough. If you've got kids upstairs, this is your time to go up and collect them. If you're being prayed for, you can give someone your wristband so they can collect your kids for you. Um, But for you at home, we hope you have a brilliant week, and we look forward. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org, or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week, and know just how loved you are.